Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Glad you're here today. Uh, we're finishing up our work in The Prospering Power of Love, Catherine Ponder's excellent book. Her thesis, I think, is a simple and powerful one, that love, that simply love, is the driving force behind everything that is good, behind success, behind good relationships, behind a powerful uh, life at work, uh, that really all of these things can be enhanced through love itself. And you know, we've covered uh, so many different topics. I hope you've enjoyed this month as much as I have. We've learned some powerful tools. We've learned some, uh, some different ways maybe of interacting with ourselves and in our spiritual practice. Today we're gonna close things up with, with two, uh, what do I wanna say, almost like bonus techniques, you might say, uh, that she ends the book with. And they are using beauty and joy as a healing force. I'm going to say that again, using joy and beauty as a healing force, and we'll see what is meant by that. And then also a specific technique called writing to an angel. Yeah, we're going to talk about angels today, so I think we'll have some fun with that as all as well. So uh, I think I'll start by just reading just a little bit about these topics that we're covering today. By fixing your attention on one beautiful item, you create the mental image of beauty itself, and that image goes to work through you and through others to create more of itself. So as you do, beauty multiplies for you, and you are able to resurrect beauty and to glorify your entire life. And then uh, moving on to this idea of, uh, of using joy as a healing power, she says another way to glorify your divinity and resurrect your good is through joy. Emma Curtis Hopkins has described the resurrecting power of joy as exaltation is a magnet for all good things, for the universe to hasten them unto you. So what is this idea of, of joy and beauty as being some kind of a magnet or being some kind of a transformative force. Well, to me, of course, what she's talking about are those archetypes of God itself. You know, from the earliest teachings of science and mind, I think we recognize that there is a power in those various qualities or archetypes of God itself, those being love, joy, peace, harmony, abundance, um, wholeness, life, that there is something about those as, as existing in the realm of pure spirit that have a power just like a, a magnetic power on their own. And when we tap into those aspects of God, it's as though we transform any humanness that might get in the way of things, and we're tapping into the pure power of God. So we're putting aside our, our egoness, we're putting aside, a, well, well, let me give you an example. So, so how do we typically in the human realm go about our prayers? Most often we pray for some kind of a human experience. So we might pray for the, the healing of, uh, 
I don't know, the, the healing of my leg that hurts today, or we might pray for um, better transportation when the, when the car dies, or whatever it is, right? But typically, we pray for something in the human realm of experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with it at all, but if you think about it, that's not the usual level of divinity, the usual, in a way, we're kind of asking God to, to bend down a little bit and, and, and work in the, the realm of human beings. When we target those high-level aspects of God, we're asking God, we're, we're kind of meeting God at God's level. And if you think about it, most of those things are represented in anything that we could, could desire. So, so we might be praying for the healing of a leg, but, but God knows it as wholeness. We may be praying for, a, um, I don't know, a better time of working with colleagues at work. God understands it as harmony. And so when we pray in at, those, at that high level of those God aspects, God can just plunge right in. No translation necessary, no figuring out the human experience. It's like, go for it. We'll give her love. We'll, we'll show him prosperity because they're at that, that supreme high level. And so Ponder is simply saying when she talks about something like beauty as being a seed that we can plant that will grow more quickly maybe than other seeds, it's because we're going in at that high level of, uh, uh, of Godhood itself. And I'll use an example. Uh, when my partner Daniel and I first moved into our house, it was a good news and bad news situation. The, the good news was it was a brand new house. We'd never lived in any place where everything worked all at once. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was like a little miracle, right? There were no repairs that needed to be done. The paint was new, everything. It was like move in and have a good time. That was the good news. The bad news is the typical uh, expectation of a new house is they don't put in a yard at all. And so they had literally bulldozed the land the, I think the city of Portland required them legally to put in one tree. So we had our one, <laughs> our one little Charlie Brown tree, and that was it. Well, Daniel and I are avid gardeners, so we would, we would go out in the yard, and it was like, <sighs> right? And, and if you folks moving into a new house or anything like we were, how much money did we have to blow on a yard, right? We'd just done closing costs and we, we had a couple months of dual mortgages on old homes and oh my God, we were never at our most poor in a way as we were right then. What were we to do? Without even having read Catherine Ponder though, there was something that stuck in our head something that we realized we could do in our minds first that would help us out. And so the first thing we did was we scrapped together a couple hundred dollars and went out and bought two beautiful plants. We bought a camellia that has red flowers about the size of your head almost, just a a stunning red, perfectly colored and shaped camellia. And we call that our spring plant. <laughs> and then we bought li likewise another a Chief Joseph uh, uh, pine that changes its color in the fall. And two, two expensive and yet stunning plants. And we planted them and, and out in the rest of the muddy yard, we set up a, a table and a couple chairs and that was our garden. It was like our... You can almost think of it as kind of a mental seed that we planted of beauty. 
So we weren't going to skimp on the, the nature of beauty itself, right? We were going to get the plants that we wanted to get, even though they were probably out of our price range, and it meant that we couldn't get anything else. But they represented beauty to us. The next thing that we did, and you might laugh a little bit, we put butcher paper down on our dining room table, and we got out our, suns our old sunset magazines and our old uh, horticulturist monthly magazines, and we started cutting out the pictures of beauty that would one day be in our yard. And on the, the butcher paper, we actually did measurements and had a, a rough schema of our yard, and we had the plants <laughs> with, with, you know, with like sticky glue. <laughs> we planted. <laughs> And I think what it did was it engaged what Catherine Ponder is talking about by engaging the idea of beauty itself. We were building in our mind the most powerful vision of what our yard would be someday. And do you know what happened? People started bringing us plants. One of the neighbors has a, a beautiful iris bed, and I guess she was looking out at her porch one day, and she said, I felt so sad for you sitting, sitting out with your two plants. <laughs> and so it was, you know, it was in the spring, and it was time to divide some of her iris. Oh, my gosh, we have such beautiful irises now. And it wasn't before long, too, that we found simple ways of getting amazing deals on some just compelling plants. And I got to tell you, if you fast forward even just a little bit, the end of the second year that we lived in that house, the yard was stunning. The yard was stunning after really just two years. And we had lived with, for a while, we had a hose which showed where our deck was going to be, right? <laughs> we, had, we had another uh, old beat-up hose that represented where the water feature. You know, it's like we lived through all that, but... It wasn't just living through it. It was celebrating it. It was ushering it in. It was seeing the beauty in it before it even existed. And that's what Catherine Ponder is talking about. If we take any quality of God, so, so for that example, we use beauty. We found beautiful things because we wanted to draw more beautiful things into our yard. But you could easily take love you could take harmony, you could take joy. As an example, if you're not experiencing enough uh, maybe uh, playfulness and joy in your life now, take an initial seed, something that you really encounter joy when you do it. Maybe it's playing with your grandkids. Maybe it's, uh, it's a hobby that you do that just brings you great joy. Maybe it's just going out on the town for bowling on Wednesday nights or whatever it is. Find something in your life right now that brings you joy, and consider that your seed. Consider that your initial planting of joy. Then from then on, you begin thinking of what other joyous things might exist in your life, things that you don't experience now, but you know that you can, and you're accepting in your heart that you will. 
So maybe you cut things out of magazines that you think would bring you um, joy and fun. You know, suddenly there's pictures of you skydiving or, or pictures of you, I, well, and so for some of us, that maybe that wouldn't be fun, right? This is an individual exercise. You know, for, for you, it might be swimming or being on a cruise ship. What, you know, we begin cutting out the pictures that we imagine in our own hearts would bring us joy. And pretty soon the neighbors start coming over with the cuttings. Do you know what I mean? You'll get invited to that cruise. Someone somehow will find the way to fulfill that for you. Why? Because God knows joy. There's nothing stuck in the human realm where humans have to figure it out where joy is understood. All of those top qualities of God, whether it be joy or love or wholeness or abundance, all of those, God gets. And when we simply are asking for something, accepting in our own hearts something that God gets, oh my gosh, it's like a fire hose. Stand back. So that's a very important thing that Catherine Ponder, I think, in this, uh, this ending chapter of the book talks about, this idea of planting a seed of one of those primary qualities of God. The other thing that she talks about in, uh, by way of, uh, what do I want to call it, a new spiritual practice, or at least it was new to me, is writing angel letters. And, and before we start talking about angel letters, I found a joke about writing letters in general, of course, that I thought I should share with you. So a fellow had just been hired as the new CEO of a large corporation. The current CEO was stepping down and met with the new hire privately in his office. He handed the new fellow three sealed letters inside an envelope. Open these if you run up against a problem that you can't solve. Well, things went along pretty smoothly for the first six months, but then sales took a downturn and the new CEO began catching a lot of heat. He went to his drawer and took out the letter marked letter number one. He opened it and it simply said, blame your predecessor. So the new CEO called a press conference and tactfully laid the blame at the feet of the previous CEO. Sales began to pick up and the problem was soon behind him. Well, about a year later, the company was again experiencing some trouble. Went back to the desk drawer, took out letter number two. He opened it and it simply had one word on it, reorganize. Well, this he did and the company started rebounding. Its sales went back up, things were great. Well, after several more years of profitable times, the company fell onto some hard luck. The CEO went to his office, closed the door, and opened the last of the letters, letter number three. The message simply said, write three letters. (laughs) And so I've written three letters. And we'll see if we have time to do all three of them. For sure, we'll do a couple of them. The idea behind an angel letter, though, is simply, well, first of all, what is an angel, I guess? Catherine Ponder's idea of an angel is that it's our higher wisdom self. That if you think about us as having two components, a kind of an earthly self and a spiritual self, she says that each of us have an angel. It's part, it's part of who we are. It's our higher wisdom self. It's our spiritual self. And her claim, and it totally makes sense to me from a science of mind perspective, is that our angel selves know what's good and what's true for us always. 
that our higher wisdom self, our spiritual self, knows the difference between right and wrong in our own lives, knows that we are divinely appointed to be here, has a sense of who we are and what we should be doing on the planet, has that ability to know a good course for us to follow, has the ability really always to deal with others from a place of compassion and love. Uh, And she goes on to say that that higher wisdom self is the part that really is always plugged into God itself, that that really that's how we communicate with our our higher power is through this thing she calls it our, our angel self, but, but you can think of it just as our, our divine self or our uh, spiritual self. So the idea of writing an, a letter to an angel is to tap in more completely to that higher wisdom self, to our spiritual self. And she says you can write a letter to your own angel, very useful when you need some advice, when you want to check in with that spiritual self to know what a, a good path to follow is. She also says we can write an angel letter to someone else's angel. And she says the reason that this is so effective is both of our angel selves, both of our spiritual selves, right, firmly connected to that higher power. So it's like a part of God talking to another part of God. And at that level, all is love, all is joy. Everything can be worked out because we're unconcerned with our petty jealousies that maybe our human self would be involved in. So does it make sense? Uh, I'm sure when you uh, noticed the the talk title was uh, writing to an angel, you were going, oh, Larry's gone a little bit south today. This ought to be fun. Uh, But actually, actually, I think this is pretty firmly rooted in science of mind. It's really using our higher wisdom self to communicate and to let us know a better path to follow. All right, so you might say, well, how do you go about doing this? I went about it very simply, and and like I said, I have three examples here. I simply spoke the truth about a situation that I wanted to realize in my life. And I tried my best to portray that, that angel self, right? To get out of my ego and simply claim what I knew to be true on a spiritual standpoint. So the first angel letter, you need just a little bit of backstory. So uh, before Christmas, one of our dogs, a, a puppy actually, she broke her leg. And I gotta tell you, we went through a lot. Uh, she had to be in a cast for two months. She had to have her mobility restricted for another month and a half. Trying to put a six-month-old puppy in a cage for like three months, you can picture how, that pleasant, how pleasant that was for the whole family. And then after all of this, as she's getting her casts off, um, the vet says, well, her leg didn't really heal properly. Uh, it's healed, and she'll be able to get around But we have racing dogs. Um, You know, they're in the same family as greyhounds, and it is her great joy to just, you know, race and play and run. And so, oh my gosh, even just telling the story kind of has got me a little bit. So here's here's my angel letter. Dear Ivy's angel, I want you to know how much I love you, Ivy. You bring us delight and joy every day. One of the ways that you show such joy and love for life is in your running. Since breaking your leg, the doctors and others have worried that your leg may not heal properly so that you can continue to run and play. I know this is not the spiritual truth of you. 
Today, I claim full healing power. I affirm and know that Ivy is completely healed and ready to run, to play, to gallop, to cavort, to spin, to frolic, to raise complete mayhem if she desires. I know that you as her angel are divine and that the divinity is perfect in both concept and its form. Thank you for leading Ivy into a splendid life of freedom and play. And so you see, I'm really claiming the spiritual truth. Is God ever ill? Is there deformity in the spiritual realm? No. And so I claim, can claim with complete authority, full healing. Well, now for those of you who are my Facebook friends, you're all my friends. Some of you actually are Facebook friends as well. I posted the most wonderful video of her running down at the beach a few days ago. And so uh, I would say, yesterday, still a little bit of limping, but oh my gosh, when you see that video, she's going like 30 miles an hour with uh, her tail going even faster. <laughs> I want to do one other angel letter here. This one I don't think needs a backstory. Dear Angel of the United States of America, America was founded on the principles of peace and freedom and I call upon your divine nature to uphold these founding forces for good. I know that all who live in this great land experience freedom and peace as we share this land and prosper together. I also know that the leadership of this country supports these guiding principles, making decisions that uphold everyone's freedom for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our upcoming elections help to create an environment where the legislative process is both fruitful and transformative. Through cooperation, compassion, and connection, we all enjoy our liberties and bless our worldly differences. Thank you for making America safe and prosperous for everyone who lives here. It is my belief that when we tie in to these fundamental pictures of truth. Because that's what I'm doing. That's what Catherine Ponder's idea of, uh, of writing an angel letter is. We're tapping into something above our earthly troubles. We're tapping into something fundamental. That's why the one for the United States was so easy. I mean, really, if you look at our Declaration of Independence, those ideas of, of freedom and uh, uh, and cohesiveness are there from the get-go. And so it's as though the country already is aligned with those God principles. It's simply for me to remind myself that they exist and that they're powerful. And you might ask, well, now, Larry, so is your little angel prayer, is it really going to, you know, meet up with each person in America's angel and they make a little agreement around how that maybe so? Maybe so. I'd like to challenge you for a minute and ask you why the heck wouldn't it? If we really are connected to our higher power, I got to believe that that's how it works, is by appealing to those higher goals and those higher aspirations that we all share. Why would anyone on the planet not want freedom, not want abundance, right? So what I know is that all of our higher wisdom selves, all of our angels would agree to that. 
So it's like I'm ringing a bell of freedom. It's like I'm ringing a bell of abundance that every angel, every higher wisdom self, every spiritual being on the planet can resonate with. And so any doubters, I would say, yes, it does have that power. So whether it's in your prayers, whether you choose to write an angel letter, whether there's some other form of communicating with your higher wisdom self that you use, I would say now's the time to do it, right? As we enter into the primary elections and, and, and beyond that, if you want to live in, a, in an amazing, powerful, uh, uh, peaceful, abundant country, all you have to do is claim it. And when our higher wisdom self, when that spiritual part of ourselves claims these qualities of God, there's no denying it. It simply has to happen. Well, I'm closing out our, our, our whole uh, series on the prospering power of love today. And I want to do just a quick summary to remind you of some of the, both the tools and concepts that we've had all month. First of all, you'll remember in week number one, we had an amazing affirmation for ourselves. Divine love is doing its perfect work in me and through me now. This is the antidote to any self-doubt. If there's something going on in your head, if your self-talk isn't what it should be, if you're worried a little bit about an outcome in your own life, simply know that divine love is doing its perfect work in me and through me now. It can be a mantra, it can be the result of a difficult phone call or a difficult choice. Simply settle into your own heart space and say divine love is doing its perfect work in me and through me now. The second week, we talked about being initiated in love. And you'll remember that this one spilled over uh, to the people and situations that sometimes we have difficulties with. And it was our praising and raising prayer. And so we simply pictured a, an individual or, or something going on in our life that, that seemed to not be going well. And we simply said to ourselves, I praise you, I raise you in the name of love. I praise you, I raise you in the name of love. Again, tapping into that open-hearted position where, where one spiritual being can talk to another spiritual being. Week three, last week, we talked about releasing and forgiving. We talked about the idea that really nothing stands in our way of love paving the way for a greater existence to everyone. Nothing except maybe Maybe our own clinging to our humanness, our own clinging to things that have gone wrong in our past, our own belief in lack and limitation, our own um, maybe unforgiveness around situations and people that have harmed us in the past. And so last week we simply talked about the forgiveness power, the ability to let go of the past so that we can enjoy the present, so that truly we can live up to our full potential without being held back or drugged down by things that have happened in the past. And then this week, this idea of, uh, of both planting that seed of one of the qualities of God, that, that seed of love itself, of joy itself, of abundance itself, of prosperity, you know, whatever one of those qualities of God is, you can use it to get out of your, your human experience and experience those pure qualities of God 
And then, of course, my homework suggestion for this week would be an angel letter. Give it a try. The first one for for Ivy I wrote at the beginning of the month. And I got to tell you, my whole attitude has changed already. And whether you want to call her running, uh, running along that trail down at the beach a demonstration or not, I think it is in my own heart to see her going 35 miles an hour when less than two months ago she was confined to a cage. Shall we pray? All right, let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this life. I call it God, but I know it goes by many names, Allah, Buddha, It goes by even simple names like love and joy. And so for this thing, this big container of all love that I call God, I simply know for myself a full participation in it, that the love of life, the joy of life, the the peace of life, all of those powerful qualities of God are working in, around, and through me now, and that my life is is held up even as those ideas, even as those those, ideas, templates of of God are held up, so my life is on high. And as it is true for me, I know without question, it can be true for each person in this room, that each person, as we rise into that higher wisdom self, as we begin thinking of ourselves as angels here on earth, as we tap into that spiritual nature of ourselves, all things become possible. Each one of us can become that centered idea of love itself, opening our hearts and the hearts of those around us to experience our full potential. I am simply grateful for this. Grateful in knowing that healing and that transformative power of love itself. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity, into the action of the law itself, that God always saying yes, that God simply happy to make it so. And so together we say, And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.